I'm Roxanne Cody, and welcome to a bookmark from Just the Right Book. I recently had the pleasure of welcoming Dan Sheehan, editor of the bookmark section of lithub.com, back to the podcast. We talked about the latest edition of bookmarks on the LitHub website. And what bookmarks does, it's like the Rotten Tomatoes of book reviews. Uh, They aggregate all the reviews of books. And if there are at least three reviews, then they tell you how many were raves, how many were positive, how many, you know, were um, negative about them. So he'll share with us a couple of the books that's in the latest bookmark, plus He'll pick his favorite book of 2018. Dan, describe for us before we talk about what was on Bookmarks uh, this past week, what Bookmarks is and how you aggregate that information. Well, what we do, Roxanne, and you're spot on in terms of um, that description, we do kind of bill ourselves as uh, the rotten tomatoes of books. And what myself and my team do is we track about 150 to 200 different uh, literary outlets, anywhere really that publishes book reviews um, from the larger, like the New York Times and the Post, uh, all the way down to smaller lit blogs, um, anything with a piece of substantive criticism. And when a book receives three reviews, we create a page in our database. Mm. That page is constantly being added to, and it gives readers who might be wondering what they want to pick up next a snapshot of the entire critical conversation around a book so every book will have at least three or four and anything any of the bigger release books will have maybe 30 40 and you're able to see quite quickly not just how the book has been received but sort of a curated snippet of that criticism so let's look at the ones that were on the january 11th newsletter that came out Uh, there were two books Uh, that particularly struck me. One was an orchestra of minorities, which had eight rave reviews, not merely positive, but raves. Tell us about that book. So uh, an orchestra of minorities is um, a very interesting one. It's actually appearing in our uh, book reviews you need to read this coming week. It'll be out on Thursday. And essentially, it's it's presented in a kind of flashback as uh, an appeal to this divine jury on behalf of a man to save his soul. And it's told in this sort of like beautiful, eloquent, mythic type of prose. Um, This kind of heightened language, a mixture of English, um, Igbo, um, and sort of a hybrid African-English phrases. And it's kind of a a book as a bid for um, mercy and compassion toward the human condition, I Mm. suppose, uh, in, in large scale. I believe it's uh, the author's second novel, but it's certainly getting an awful lot of strong reviews, which is which is great to see because I, I think it's going to be one of the one of the more exciting releases of uh, of the winter and spring. You know, how many of these books do you get to read? Well, this can be the problem. You see, I <laughs> I, I, try, I try and uh, keep all my reading, but what I do most of the time for most of the day is read reviews. So um, yeah, I I've sort of acquired what you'd call uh, bluffers knowledge of a lot of different books without having the opportunity to read them yet. But uh, I try to I try to get to sit down and read the actual book um, as much as I can, certainly for the for novels like like um, Orchestra of Minorities and, and um, kind of the exciting new titles that are getting a lot of buzz. I, I, uh, 
I try to um, to actually read them as opposed to just the criticism. You know, it is a little bit of a dilemma. People imagine that people in your field or my field are just like sitting, you know, having bonbons dropped in our mouths while we're reading. And instead, <laughs> you know, our work might actually make us thirsty for even more books, but also sidetrack us from getting to read them. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, it's it's kind of far from deadening you to it. It it makes you hungry to read yeah. the books that are being kind of raved about. And it's just about carving out pieces of time to, to get to them before you actually ruin them for yourself. What, what I find often is, you know, you read 30, 40 reviews of, of a high-profile new book and little pieces of it have been given away in snippets until you're almost at the point where the whole thing has been, uh, has been yeah. spoiled. So yeah. I guess there's a, there's a line you maybe want to you read up to uh, and then try and get the actual book itself. The other thing that I find, my mother used to call this when we were kids, eating with your eyes. I find that I, at any one point, might have started eight or ten books. Because I wanted to get to that, and and then I want to get back to the other one. And, you know, I could end up having a character from one book marrying a character for another, from another book because I got it all mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> no, you're right, and it happens, you know. You, and, and then sometimes when you're thinking to yourself, in this particular climate, I want to maybe up my dosage of uh, nonfiction as well as fiction, and you're trying to balance the two. So yeah. uh, I think depending on the week, one can bleed into the other in, in terms of focus. Yeah. The, so one, one of the other books that's in bookmarks for January 11th, and it's getting tons of attention, is The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh, which got five raves and nine positive reviews. Mm. I mean, The Water Cure, I think, is is one of, if not the most exciting debut coming out this month. It's it's billed as sort of The Handmaid's Tale meets The Virgin Suicide. Um, and what it is is a sort of um, feminist dystopian fable uh, set in this island uh, populated just by a single family. There are three daughters who have been kept away from the rest of civilization based on the stories and the warnings told to them by this father figure uh, who has recently disappeared. And it's getting just absolutely stellar reviews. You know, there was a wonderful uh, New Yorker review profile of it by Laura Miller. Right. And another, which I particularly enjoyed in The Guardian, that, that compared it to Macintosh's writing the way that Sofia Coppola would shoot the end of the world, mm. which I thought was a lovely description. Right, I read that. What was your favorite book of 2018? Oh, that's a good question. Now, you had to have read it, Dan. I don't want any bluffing going on here. (laughs) (laughs) That's where all my power comes from. You have to raise your right hand, even though I can't see it, and say you read this book. Okay, okay. I I will swear (laughs) now that I read this book, um, and I'm sure after I I give it, I'll have forgotten one that I also loved. But I'm actually going to give you two, because one didn't come out or hasn't come out in the U.S. yet. It's called Follow Me to Ground. Mm. And it's by a young Irish writer called Sue Rainsford. And it's also actually somewhat of a um, kind of feminist dystopian fable, but with more of a focus on the body. And what it is, is it's the story of a young woman and her father who live outside of uh, a town. And they have sort of uh, otherworldly curing abilities that this wary but interested town nearby uh, utilizes. Uh, and that hasn't come out in the U.S. yet, but it's certainly something to look out for next year. Okay. And then the other one that I was very impressed with was Friday Black. Yeah. The uh, short story collection, which was just this wonderful, savage, jarring, fascinating kind of George Saunders-esque collection um, that took 
absurdism and surrealism and filtered it through the lens of sort of racism in America uh, and blew up very recognizable racist societal tropes in a kind of fascinating and very sort of disquieting, absurdist ways. So I thought that was just a really um, electric, powerful book. I, I think I, I wouldn't have come up with the exquisite string of words you just did for Friday Black, but the two words that I would pluck out of the words that you use that I thought were my reactions, one was shockingly disquieting mm. in the way uh, that he does these stories and using very dark humor to create that disquiet. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's such a funny collection. And, you know, you're kind of, you're reading it through your fingers at times, um, but also you're laughing aloud. And, you know, it is, it's rare. Like, I remember reading some of the stories and being just horrified at what would happen next. And then a few pages later, kind of bursting out laughing. And as much as we sort of describe books as being laugh-out-loud funny, that's actually a pretty rare thing. I think we, we, yeah. we write it down in reviews a lot more often than we actually um, burst out laughing. I, you know, Dan, the other thing that I wonder is, I think that using the approach that he uses is actually more powerful than the straightforward way of telling the story and trying to get you interested in this. If, if, you, if you take something like just telling the, the pure facts of, say, the, the George Zimmerman case, and you try and filter that through fiction, there's a lot of ways in which that will just come off as kind of dry and factual, and it, just, it, it won't feel alive as fiction. But to take kind of very recognizable aspects of that and the injustice of that and make it part of a sort of grotesque but only slightly uh, unrealistic right. in its grotesquery America, that gives it a whole new level of potency and, mm -hmm. and I think makes people go out and, and seek the facts of what these stories are based on um, all the more eagerly, you know. Yeah, I hope that book will continue to gain the, the traction and attention that it deserves. I mean, it's gotten a lot of great press I'd be curious if the sales are proportionate to that. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, short stories, it's always hard to know. Um, like the, the, the numbers sales-wise are, are rarely high, but I, I feel like it's it, it got a lot of great attention. It won a couple of prizes. And I think maybe whenever he releases his next book, whether it's a novel or another collection, uh, you'll see like a, a re-engagement with it again. So um, I, I feel like that's one that's here to stay. Yeah, good, good. I'm going to go with your opinion on that. We love hearing your comments and book recommendations. Please keep them coming. Email us at info at justthewritebookpodcast.com or reach out to us on our Facebook or Twitter pages. Just the Right Book Podcast is produced by Collisions, the podcast division of CRN International. Our original new music was created by Mark Berman. Our producer is Christina Torres. And our audio engineer is Pat Keogh. Thank you all so much for listening.